Welcome to another edition of VLGA Connect. It is Reconciliation Week, and we thought we might touch on some related topics in our interview today with Marcus Holmes, who is with the law firm Land Equity Legal, based in Western Australia, but has worked uh, quite uh, a lot with the VLGA over the years. Marcus, great to see you and welcome to the program. Thanks, Chris. Nice, nice to be here. Marcus, you do a lot of work with local government and provide advice on engaging around um, uh, Aboriginal corporations, traditional owners and, and those sorts of issues. Uh, give us a little bit of a snapshot of the work that you do and the space that you're in. Sure. It's, it's interesting because local government um, under native title legislation and, and, and related sort of uh, legislation is not front and centre mentioned in the in the statutes, and yet there's major impacts, uh, both uh, positive and negative, I guess, that can arise for local government in engaging with Aboriginal people. And I guess my focus is very much on the positive side of it. Um, I think uh, in Victoria in particular, there's a quite an array of laws that local government needs to get on top of uh, your, your human rights legislation, obviously your new local government act brings the Aboriginal community, including traditional owners, front and centre into who must be consulted um, as members of the municipal community. Um, and that's, that's quite well ahead of a lot of other states and territories in terms of a proactive role for local government in that space. Um, I, was, uh, I was going to ask you that very question, Marcus, if you don't mind, um, because there has been, it seems, a, a, a definite uh, renewal of focus on traditional owner engagement in Victoria, particularly from, from state government. So you're saying that we are ahead of other states in that space? Look, I think you are. And the obviously, uh, treaty is something that's uh, very much uh, coming towards uh, you know, make, making some moves towards what's going to be in a treaty. Uh, the current First Peoples Assembly is currently debating whether there's going to be, you know, a single statewide treaty or several treaties. I think, although, again, local government is not formally a party to any uh, treaty negotiations as yet, um, under your treaty legislation, it can be. And uh, I guess my view, having worked quite closely with West Australian local governments who are engaging uh, out, outside the formal sort of negotiation process on some major regional agreements, which some people are regarding as similar to being treaties, the, the Noongar Native Title Settlement, for example, very similar uh, in size to, to the state of Victoria. Uh, 30,000 um, Noongar Aboriginal people are going to be the beneficiaries of that settlement. Uh, and it's broken into regions. So although it's a single package, uh, it's broken into six geographic regions and six different Aboriginal corporations are going to be managing uh, the benefits and, and uh, land access and so on. Local government over, he over here um, is finding it's a bit behind. Now that that settlement is um, fairly close to actually being rolled out, local government, I guess, is a bit concerned that it, it hasn't formally been at the table. There's going to be quite a few implications. And I think uh, the same probably applies for Victorian local government. 
And I know that when we did, uh, the VLGA did its March uh, forum uh, last year regarding treaty where uh, the Honourable Natalie Hutchins was on the panel, but also Jill Gallagher was, who was then the uh, Treaty Advancement Commissioner. She said something very interesting about local government, which was that uh, local government needs to take a proactive role in treaty and it needs to get involved early. And certainly my work in, I guess, quasi-treaties in Western Australia would, would bear that out. Um, so, yeah, I think the same applies in Victoria. Are you seeing local government taking a more active role with regard to treaty either in Victoria or in Western Australia where you do your work? Is that following look, through, I, I guess, is my Yeah, question. look, I think with Victoria, certainly the VLGA uh, is keen to be involved in debate and have perhaps a conduit role as to, as to how a treaty or treaties might play out for local government in, in Victoria. Um, in Western Australia, um, I'm getting quite a lot of work from councils who are now realising that there's going to be impacts, for example, there's going to be crowned, uh, Crown land uh, access licences, uh, there's various grants of land going to Aboriginal corporations, which, which, is, you know, which is great, but some of that land uh, local government is responsible for, um, and you know, they're, so they're, there's various resourcing and risk issues that may arise around that. Mm. Um, I think Victorian local government is very well placed uh, to engage with treaty, whether that's formally or informally. Um, the reconciliation action plans that local councils have, the collaborative approach that they have to have under the new legislation, but which they have anyway. I think all of those are good, uh, good grounding for, for some positive engagement with with treaty in, in Victoria. Marcus, how has your work been impacted by COVID-19? What are you seeing in relation to these, these uh, traditional owner groups and Aboriginal corporations? Oh, look, I've, I mean, I think things are, certainly in Western Australia, things are, are carrying on, uh, albeit at a, a, a safer and slower pace. Um, our regional communities are, are still very much um, locked away and um, entering into those communities and leaving them. Uh, has very strict um, rules around it, as as is right and proper, given the vulnerability of of the particularly Aboriginal elders to to the to COVID. Um, the Native Title Tribunal has slowed down its activity around negotiation with you know mining companies and and other proponents. Um, boards of corporations are, are getting used to Zoom. I think we're all finding. Zoom has a sort of artificiality about it, which uh, I know that you can you can go through a, a two-hour Zoom meeting and it's like a, a whole a whole day's face-to-face -face meeting in terms of uh, your, your how tired you are afterwards, which is a strange mm -hmm. phenomenon. Mm -hmm. And um, but I think their their main concern and Native Title Corporations have had a bit of a leadership role is getting supplies, medical supplies and food out to remote communities. So wow. supermarket chains, um, trucking companies, state agencies and Aboriginal corporations have all been working very well uh, in, in dealing with COVID and making sure the vulnerable are, are looked after as best they can be, which, so that's, that's good. I imagine you see a fair bit of the work that councils do in 
developing and implementing their reconciliation action plans. And I wonder what observations you have on how far we've come in terms of the meaningfulness of that work in recent years. Look, I think wearing my lawyer's hat, I think there's opportunities are missed in quite a few reconciliation action plans. A lot of them, while, while they're very important about engaging with the local Aboriginal community, uh, they overlook the opportunity to engage more formally around perhaps agreement making, um, cultural heritage management in the local council area, uh, developing Aboriginal heritage management plans, those kinds of things. Um, so bringing, I guess, some of the statutory obligations that councils have into a reconciliation action plan and turning it more into a uh, I guess a, a legal document. I, mm. I, I think you know that is a bias of mine. I suppose as a lawyer, that I think that those documents can be quite useful uh, as a kind of risk management and planning tool. Um, so I, I think probably you might see uh, with treaty rolling out in Victoria in the coming years, reconciliation action plans may actually become um, an informal way of engaging with treaty if there isn't some statewide uh, engagement by local government uh, in treaty, I think reconciliation action plans at their best can be a very good uh, alternative forum uh, for, mm. that, for that kind of engagement. Marcus, perhaps a final question, and it's a bit without, without notice. Wearing a, another hat of mine, I'm aware of some pockets around the state where it's difficult for authorities to engage with traditional owners because there's no agreement in those pockets on who the um, the official traditional owners are, I guess. I'm wondering how common that is and what sort of advice you have for those uh, people that are in that situation. Look, it is quite common across Australia. Uh, generally, the groups that have native title are often first in line to be consulted and, and that's, that's the, the case in Victoria. I know you've got a consultation paper out at the moment uh, regarding this very issue. You know, a lot of councils uh, in and around Melbourne, for example, uh, there are gaps where there are no registered Aboriginal parties under your Aboriginal heritage legislation. So who do you consult? Um, mm. And I think sometimes the best course of action is, is to speak to heritage professionals, uh, archaeologists and anthropologists about who are the right people to speak for country. Um, local government, in my experience, is often well ahead of mining companies or state agencies about who's who and who does need to be consulted. Um, I guess consulting as broadly as possible is always a, a sensible approach rather than having a sort of narrow group of favourites that can sometimes come unstuck. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how uh, councils and others respond to this consultation paper about filling, I guess, the, the pieces of the heritage jigsaw that are missing uh, in, in Victoria. Um, but, yeah, as I said, the, the, the formal people that you tend to negotiate with because they have rights under the Native Title Act, for example, are, are the Native Title Holder Groups right. and their corporations. 
understand you've prepared a discussion paper on some of these issues and we're uh, hopeful that in the not too distant future we might see you in Victoria being able to speak more about that topic. No, that, that would be great and it, it also, also looking at whether there's some kind of memorandum of understanding for Victorian local government and the state around engagement in treaties. So I'd love to have a discussion with uh, councils about whether that's of interest. Terrific. Marcus, that's been great to get your insights into that. Really appreciate your time. You are over there in Western Australia and coping well, I hope, in COVID-19. And I hope it's not too long before you can move more freely around the country speaking on these issues. Thank you, Chris. No, thank you for having me this afternoon. That wraps up another episode of VLGA Connect. If you'd like to be part of future episodes or if you have a story to share that might make for a future episode, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to vlga at vlga.org. Dot au. See you again soon on VLGA Connect. Mm -hmm.